0: What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Twilight Nine podcast. This is episode 53. I'm your host, Riley. To start off the show, I know I teased some big news coming this week or last week on the show, and I said, keep an eye out for everything. Stuff is coming down the pipeline. We're going to announce some cool stuff. That is not fully been, I mean, it's been agreed upon, but it's not fully in place yet for me to announce it. So hopefully this week, after everything is worked out, uh, I will have some news for you guys, hopefully by like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, end of the week. And then hopefully next week on the show Monday, you guys will see the whole thing. So I want to start the show like that. Hopefully the news is coming at some point here in the very, very near future. Uh, I just got to wait on it to be quote-unquote official, even though it is like quote-unquote official. It's just one of those things I got to wait for it. But the big news on the show is coming soon. This week on the show, it is playoff time finally. We at the Northern Trust. We are at Liberty National in Jersey City, right outside New York City. If you guys are not familiar with the golf course, if you didn't watch the 2017 President's Cup, the 2019 Northern Trust... Uh, The golf course is really, really cool. Lots of water, lots of bunkers. You can see like the Statue of Liberty from pretty much the entire golf course. It is very, very cool. It is beautiful. And that's what we got this week. So very, very excited about that. It's tough because I guess last year was the last time that TPC Boston is going to be in the rotation because the new schedule took out TPC Boston uh, for this golf tournament. They're using, I think... I think the WGC might be the first leg, whatever, Southwind is. So Boston is no longer going to be in the rotation. I don't even think Liberty National is going to be in the rotation anymore. So I think this might be the last time we see Liberty National for a little bit, which is a bummer because this golf course is awesome. But we're going to really dive into the Northern Trust. There's a lot to talk about. So we're going to get to that. We got just like a couple headlines to get out of the way. And then we're going to recap the Wyndham Championship, which I was a little unplugged this weekend to be completely honest, Um, after like staying up late nights for the Olympics, covering the WGC pretty heavily. uh, And then now with three straight weeks of playoff golf, it is uh, last week was definitely a a good one to kind of like bow out for a little bit and not really pay attention to golf that much. But I did catch Sunday uh, in the golf tournament was awesome. Obviously, when you have a six man playoff down the stretch, I mean, the golf tournament had to be somewhat good um, Russell Henley obviously did not have the day that he was looking for. I mean, he was winning that golf tournament the entire time. And then I think even when he made the turn, he was leading by two. So it just didn't go his way on the back nine, which sucks. Cause we already saw him do that one time this year at the U S open at Torrey Pines. He was in the mix and then he was like dropped from coverage because that's how bad he did. So that stinks for Russell Henley, but kids, our guy, or pretty much everybody's guy, uh, he's got to be, one of the more popular players, if not the most popular player when it comes to golfers that are very active, like PGA Tour followers that are very active on social media because he's always in clips, uh, whether that be podcasts, great interview um, content. So he's been becoming one of the more popular players on tour, I would say. His group walking around whenever you see Kiz playing is usually pretty big, which is very cool to see. But Kisner gets the win. Uh pretty damn cool. His last one came at the 2019 Dell match play. He won the RSM classic back in the day. He always wins those like weird events, like the real, like smaller events, shorter courses. That's where Kevin Kisner kind of thrives. I think we had him for like a top 40 or whatever, which is might've been the weakest bet that we've ever made taking into his, uh, his form and everything, but whatever that's passed. We hit like a minus minus one ten bet for Kevin Kisner with a, with a top 40, but Kevin Kisner gets the win. It was really cool. Six man playoff. Adam Scott should have won. I don't know what the hell happened. I could have made that putt really tough to watch, but what are you going to do? I would say that Adam Scott has been like struggling with the, he has always struggled with the putter and then he's gone to this new one or whatever. Um, I think he's like top 25 in stroke seeing putting this year. So obviously putting, Hasn't been that big of an issue. Maybe coming down the stretch, putting becomes a little bit more of an issue. But overall this season, he's been fine on the greens. But that four-footer on the first playoff hole to miss it is tough. But going to go over it a little bit. We're going to talk not so much about the golf tournament, uh, just because I just did. But uh, the big debate that was all over Twitter, started by um, Mr. Sam Riggs from Barstool Sports, was Kevin Kisner playing in the Ryder Cup. So most of our, I think most of our discussion about the Wyndham Championship is going to be more about whether or not Kevin Kisner deserved to be on that team. So we'll see. We're going to go over that a little bit, whatever. Uh, but before we get into that discussion, couple of headlines first. It is officially who got the T uh, your PGA Tour card for next season and who didn't, who fell out of the bubble, who's not in the top one twenty five, and there's some notable guys that. Lost their tour card. I think like Patrick Rodgers is one of those. I think Ben On is one of those. But the biggest name to lose their tour card is Tommy Fleetwood. When you say Tommy Fleetwood, you think Ryder Cup specialist, just a very, very, very solid PGA tour player. He hasn't won on tour yet, which is a little bit weird. He's won on the Euro Tour, but he just hasn't been able to get it done on the PGA tour, and he's been there with big spots. I mean, if you guys remember, what was the... What is that golf course at the U.S. Open a couple of years ago? Oh, my God. How can I not think of the name? That is awful. Shinnecock. Holy shit. Thought about it. Got it. Shinnecock. He fired a Sunday, what, ridiculously low score was was pretty much the only guy all week to shoot under par. He's been in the contention at majors before. And... For him to not get inside the 125 mark is astonishing to me. I don't know how that happens. He's way too good of a player for that. And it's a little bit of a bummer because I don't know if his... I'm about to look it up right now. I don't know if his finishes recently really like reflect it, but I thought his game was kind of like rounding into form. Like he didn't play that well at the Wyndham T65. I guess he didn't play that well at the WGC either. Like his finishes top 35 finish at the open top 20 t26 at the scottish open top 20 at the irish open t50 at the u.s open yeah i guess the i guess the results don't really speak to i thought he started the swing in the club a lot better near the end of the season but obviously not well enough to earn the pga tour card that was very very strange to me um i'm sure that he'll get Ten to fifteen exemptions next season on tour is just too big of a name for him not to be there. I'm sure sponsors are going to kill to get Tommy Fleetwood at their golf tournament. We'll see what happens. It is a little bit of a bummer. Um, I've always been kind of like a team uh, Tommy Fleetwood guy, and for him not to get his PGA tour card is is very strange. So I don't know, but we'll see him next year for sure. He'll have to get it another way. Hopefully, he wins one of those golf tournaments that. He gets exempted for it. But that's when that's what happens when you don't win on the PGA Tour. All of a sudden, it turns into a race of, if you're not going to win, you're going to have to finish inside the top 20, top 30 on a very, very consistent basis to get into the top 125, because those guys are so good on tour that you got to be so, so consistent. And he just wasn't. But there you go. To get into the Kevin Kisner discussion, quick random Wyndham recap. I don't even really remember who was in that playoff, if I'm going to be completely honest with you, but... Kevin Kisner gets the win in a six-man playoff. And there was a lot of funny notes happening on Twitter. I forgot who this came came from. I think it was Sobel, maybe. And he tweeted out, and it makes a lot of sense, that if you were going to pick one of the guys that was in the playoff that felt the most comfortable playing with five other dudes, it was probably Kevin Kisner. That's the only thing he does back home is just play at three o'clock in the afternoon, two o'clock in the afternoon with a bunch of buddies having beer and just playing golf, shooting the shit, having a good old time. And it is really funny that the one guy that is probably used to that situation, a bunch of caddies or not caddies, but a bunch of bags on the tee, a bunch of other dudes. That was the guy that won, right? He has a phenomenal up and down in the first playoff hole, ridiculously good. And then hits just an incredible iron shot in the second, hits the putt, gets the win. And it just, that made a lot of sense to me, that Kevin Kisner out of that group was the one to win with a bunch of guys on that tee box. It made too much sense. And then the discussion started rolling in once he was kind of in contention on the weekend, once he started kind of picking up strokes on the back nine, Kevin Kisner name started getting thrown around with, will he be on the Ryder Cup team this year? For some people, it's well overdue that he makes a Ryder Cup. For me, I, I kind of get it. Um, when it's over on the Euro side, I, I like Kisner a little bit more just because it's more about accuracy. The European tour captain always sets up the Euro tour side venue to be tight. A lot of hazards. Um, the rough is really up because the European tour guys usually put a preference on accuracy instead of bombing it. And the American team is just totally on the other end of that spectrum. The Americans want to get a bunch of guys that just hit it a long way. And then if it ends in the rough, rough, who cares? You got to hit a wedge onto the green. It's not that big of a deal. So on the American side, the rough is usually really, really low. Excuse me, really low just to take advantage of that kind of thing the Euros, grow it up. That's where I love Kevin Kisner because their golf courses are usually also on the shorter side when that happens. That's where Kevin Kisner can really go in there, hit fairways, hit greens, roll it. That's Kevin Kisner. On the American side, when you got these huge golf courses... Kevin Kisner doesn't really have the length to keep up off the tee, right? And in some formats, it doesn't matter in the Ryder Cup. But for other formats, you really do need to be able to keep up with the big boys and hit fairways while also hitting it 305-310. That's just something that you have to do. But the argument for Kevin Kisner has always been this. He is a, he's won the match play. Right, So you know that he can win in that kind of format. He's one of those guys that when he only has to look you in the face and say, I only have to worry about you right now and beating you, he is a dog. He is an absolute dog when he is in that sort of situation. He showed that at the 2019 match play. And he also has done that. He did it, uh, was it this year during the match play? He was a dog. He's always a dog in match play. And he's a locker room guy, right? I think a couple of years ago, the guys like vote on or consensus is who's like the guy that you want to play a PGA Tour round with. Who's a guy that's just going to go out there. You guys are going to have a good time, play well, enjoy the day, moving on. A lot of the guys say Kevin Kisner, and you see that in podcast interviews and, and even on the golf course interviews when he wins or is in contention. He's given all the interviews, press conference, whatever. Kevin Kisner is just the most relaxed guy of all time. He wants to go out there, drink beer, have a good time and play golf. And when you get that sort of guy in a in a locker room with a Ryder Cup team, he's going to serve really well. And again, we saw that at the 2017 President's Cup when him and Lefty were just beating everyone in sight. They were beating everyone in sight. And I think I have his record here. Let's go back to the 2017 President's Cup for a second. Session one, uh, foursomes, uh him and phil halved against mark leesman and jason day which is probably the best team that the uh international team put out there that week probably that combination of guys session two four ball matches kevin kisner and phil mickelson win session three foursomes kevin kisner phil mickelson win uh they didn't play in session four and then Kevin Kisner halved and, and single. So he didn't lose in the 2017 President's Cup when he was there. Again, he's just really damn good at match play. He just gets it done. And I know that he won in 2019, but he's also been, he was in the finals before that. It might have even been the year before that. He's just good in those cer- certain situations. He can also just roll it. He's one of the best putters on tour. I think he's inside the top 15 maybe in tour this season in stroke scene putting. He's a phenomenal putter. Every time he stands over something that's 20, 25 feet long, it just looks like it's going to go in because he's that confident with the putter. And in match play, you need to be able to putt, right? When it comes down to when you're at a gimme range, you need to make part to tie a hole. You hit all of those putts. Or to break somebody's back on like the 16th or 17th hole, you hit a 35-footer to win the hole. Kevin Kisner fits that form perfectly. The argument against Kevin Kisner, though is the distance thing, right? When you get a golf course, they're going to Whistling Straits, which on Golf Digest, whatever, Whistling Straits, they did course rankings, whatever. Par 72, who knows how they're going to set up for the Ryder Cup because it doesn't, sometimes the sticker stuff doesn't matter because the US captain, Stricker, can kind of just move everything around and make it kind of play towards the American side a little bit. Whistling Straits can play up to almost 7,800 yards, par 72, I think I forget the exact distance, but I saw a, uh, a tweet go out earlier in the week, or actually not even, I think it was like Friday or Saturday when Kiz was in contention, somebody put this out. I think it was Kisner hasn't finished inside the top 20 at a golf course that's been over, I think, I think the number was 7,500 yards, it might have even have been 74 since 2019. So it's been over two years since he came in the top 20 at a golf course that was long. And that's always going to be the thing with kids. He's accurate, though, right? He hits a lot of fairways. But when you are going up against guys on the European tour side, like God forbid he's matched up. I don't think this would ever happen, but God forbid he's matched up with a guy like Roy McElroy on the European side, John Rahm on the European side. These guys let it fucking go. Sergio Garcia, if he makes a team, can let that thing go. And I can't even imagine watching like a match between a guy like Roy McIlroy and Kevin Kisner when Kis has a five iron or four iron in it every green and Rory's hitting eight iron. Right. In match play, that's not what you want. Of sure in stroke play, you know, you might make the same score every once in a while, right? Rory hits a bad eight iron, whatever. But in match play, that's you can't have that. And that's always been the argument against Kevin Kisner. But again, it brings you back to a point where he's in good form, right? The Ryder Cup is in what? Less than two months. It is very close to happening. He's in good form, and he's been in good form, right? He played okay at the Open. He had one bad round. Same thing, I think, at the WGC. I think he just shot like 79 on one of the days, but besides that, he played okay golf. And then this one, he plays four really good rounds, and he gets the win. So he's in good form. He's swinging well right now he's rolling it well right now so that's going to be the argument that stricker kind of has to come down to is do you take an informed kevin kisner that when he's hot he's going to roll in everything his iron play is going to be really good and maybe when you pair him up with somebody you just pair him up with like a brooks kepka or somebody or a jt justin thomas and kevin kisner matchup for the Ryder cup would be fucking hilarious to watch because they're also really good buddies but again jt gets makes up for some of that lost distance. And JT is a really good long iron player. So if you get, you get into like a foursomes match, right, and you can go play that, it's not that big of a deal. So I don't know. I'm on the side. I'm a little bit more on the Kisner side where I think he should get in. Just because of the form, like I just mentioned, in match play, you need guys that can really roll the fucking rock. And he's a good locker room guy. Like the U.S. team has lost what, five of the last seven Ryder Cups or whatever. I know they won in Hazel Team. They got their asses handed to them in France. We've been losing Ryder Cups with the same guys on the team that at some point you just need to roll some different guys out there. And I know this year will be a, a, a little bit different, I think. I don't even know. I want to look up the Ryder Cup standings actually right now because I don't even know. It doesn't help that I need to clean out my computer and it's mad slow right now. But, let's see. Calm Warkawa on the team. Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, and Xander Shoffley all are on it. Jace Beeth is 7. Harris English is 8. Patrick Reed is 9. Daniel Berger is 10. Can'tley's 11. Tony Finau's is 12. If you keep going down, whatever. So this is my thing. Kisner went up five spots due to his win. He's at 18. The guys in front of him as it stands right now. And I know Billy Horschel just won the match play. I get that, whatever. I would rather have Kevin Kisner on a team than Billy Horschel. Billy Horschel seems like a psychopath. I don't know how he is around like different players, but he gives me like very like Joker vibes. Like he's like, I don't know. He gets really weird. Sam Burns. I'd rather have Kevin Kisner. I know Sam Burns is in like the top 10 in FedEx upstandings right now. I just trust Kevin Kisner more than that. grack I would rather have Kisner. Scheffler. It, I'd, Young kid. I don't know. He's never been in a match play situation like that. That's a little weird. I know Scheffler's a way more talented player than Kevin Kisner is. So that's a little discussion. Webb's had a couple good starts in a row, but he hasn't been playing really well this season. If you go further up their list, like I know Harris English is at eight, but are you putting Harris English on a Ryder Cup team? That's the thing. I don't know. So it's going to be tough. Like the U.S. team is going to be tough. To make, you're putting Spieth on that. You're going to put Patrick Reed on it. He's probably going to put Daniel Berger on it. He's probably going to put Tony Finau on it. And then it comes down to, are you going to choose like Webb Simpson, Kevin Kisner, Scotty Scheffler, or Patrick Cantled? Like Those are the kind of guys you're going to need to choose behind. And because of his mentality, he's going to fucking golf his ball. I don't know. I like Kevin Kisner on the Ryder Cup team. I think it's a, a thing to look at for Steve Stricker. I just think it is. I think it could be a good pick for him. We'll see if he ends up doing it. I don't know if he's going to, though. It'd be cool to see. I just think the definition of insanity is doing the thing over and over, expecting different results, right? You get your ass kicked in the Ryder Cup every single time you play it. You might need to switch it up a little bit. Just saying. Betting-wise at the Wyndham, after that long, exhaustive talk about Kevin Kisner, what are you going to do? Got to talk about the kid. Uh, betting wise we did not have a good week Willie Zalatoris is on my shit list right now I don't have to bet him for the FedEx Cup because he didn't make it because he didn't win because he doesn't have tour status which every golf writer in America was hounding on the PGA Tour before that I'm not going to do that I know that he would have been inside the top 30 right now I believe I think he would have been 26th FedEx Cup standings because of how good his year was I'm not even going to talk about that whatever I needed him for a top 20 for plus one 120. He was two back going into the final round on Sunday at the win of championship, and then he shoots a billion over on the back nine and falls all the way out of the top 20. He's on my shit list right now. Hank Labiota, I do not believe made the cut. Kevin Kisner, top 40, minus 110, nailed that. Ricky Fowler missed the cut, even though he needed to finish like inside the top 20 to make it to the playoffs. Laid a big old goose egg, missed the cut. Mito Pereira also missed the cut. And then Webb Simpson, I don't know. I don't know what he did. I need to look that up. Where did he end up finishing? T7. So we hit that one too. So what? Plus 185 on that bet. 190 on the other one. So we lost like, what is that? A little over two units or something. So not good. We don't love that. So we need a bounce back week is what I'm saying at the Northern Trust. We need a little bounce back, which is very doable because I actually really like the card. We're going to find some pretty good value in some pretty good spots. I think. So we'll see if we can do it. It's finally playoff time. We're going to get into the Northern Trust now. Finally, playoff time. I'm very ready to go. Uh, I know some golf fans, some golf media outlets don't love the FedEx Cup playoffs. Uh, I think it's some people believe it's kind of like the tour's way of trying to create something like another major if they want to feel it like that, like end the season after playing four majors, end the season with something that is supposed to be as big as a major. I don't think it will ever get like that. Like I don't think winning at East Lake is ever going to be like historically as great as winning a major or even like a players championship. Like the players is even steps above what winning a FedEx Cup is like. But I love the FedEx Cup playoffs because I think it's sick. 125 then 70 down to 30. You're playing for every you're playing for something every single week unless you're one of the guys inside like the top 10 probably are automatically going to Eastlake pretty much. You would have to, I don't even know if it's like point-wise possible to be inside the top 10 and then not make it to Eastlake. But the guys on the bubble like Rory sitting at 26, he needs to have a good week one of the weeks to get to Eastlake probably. So, it's always really fun. I always like it. It also helps that Rory's won it twice, so that always helps a little bit over what Ryan Moore and Kevin Chapel back in 20 I think that was what 2016 and then he beat Brooks Kepka's ass a couple years ago and won it so that's something that we love to see but I love the playoffs I'm really looking forward to it it's gonna be really fun last season at this tournament we played outside Boston and and Norton Massachusetts and um, Dustin Johnson legitimately I think won that won that golf tournament by a hundred shots. At least that's what it felt like watching the golf tournament. He was an absolute robot. Like it wasn't at at some point that week, it honest to God wasn't even like fun watching. It was just watching this guy do disrespectful things to a golf course, 45 minutes away from my house. It's just tough. But at the same time, it was cool because like, I have I don't know if I've ever seen a guy locked in like that. It was incredible. It was just, an incredible experience to watch him play golf that week. This time, like I said, at the top of the show, we are at Liberty national right outside New York city. The views at this golf course are spectacular. Some of the best views, if you're not going to have like right on the ocean views, like pebble or like abandoned dunes or something like that, or like courses like that across the U S having, these kind of views into the city into the Statue of Liberty I know there's water over there but I'm putting that aside a little bit this golf course is awesome so I'm really looking forward to it the fields the aforementioned defending champion Mr. Dustin Johnson hasn't really shown much form except of late since the 2020 Masters not really but he does have two top 10 finishes in his last three starts which is really good for him kind of turning around which is kind of the same thing we saw last year going into the playoffs. He wins that he did nothing all year. He wins the Travelers, and then he just goes on a spree where, luckily, he would have won five golf tournaments in a row if John Rahm didn't hit a one thousand foot putt at the BMW Championship. We would have been in for a long, long couple of weeks watching DJ just raise trophy after trophy. But we'll see. He's kind of turning a corner. He hasn't won yet, but maybe this is the week. Who knows? Uh, The last time this event was held at Liberty National, DJ tied for 24th. I I don't know at Liberty National because of all the hazards and everything if we can see that kind of performance from DJ again. I don't see that happening, but who knows? I'm not going to be the one to doubt uh, Dustin Johnson. Patrick Reed is also your quote-unquote defending champion. He lifted the trophy at the end of the week back in 2019. He shot a round around 69 and beat Abe Anser by a single shot. He's been struggling a late a little bit. I don't really want to use the word struggling. I use it very reluctantly. He's been making cuts. He's been finishing like inside the top 40 and top 30, but his last top 20 finish actually happened all the way back at the U.S. Open at Torrey Pine. So he hasn't really had, he hasn't put a, a complete week together. Like he's barely making cuts and then playing like decently on the weekend or s- some sort of combination like that playing well in the first two days and then not doing anything. He's been kind of hanging around in that realm. So who knows, maybe getting back to a golf course that he's been on a while. You know, 2019, President's Cup, whatever, won here. We'll see what happens if he gets the JoJo uh, Mojo back. World number one, John Rahm is back after missing some time with COVID-19. He had to, obviously, Some one of the biggest stories going into the Olympics was him and Bryson getting out of it. And then he also pulled out of the field. And this is where I was a little, I don't know what happened. I don't really know if anybody knows. I don't know if it was personal reasons, whatever. He also didn't play in Memphis. He wasn't at Southwind. I don't know if that's COVID-19 related. I don't know if his game wasn't in a good enough spot to play. Like if he had like COVID, I don't know if he just wasn't feeling good enough to practice, he didn't want to go. I don't know. Who knows? We'll see what kind of form he brings in. Obviously, he was in sensational form before he left. Last four starts on tour, T8, WD, but we count that as a win, a win in T3. So he's just fucking playing really good golf right now. So we'll see what happens. I think he was also like T7 at the Scottish Open. So he just refuses to finish outside the top 10 and he's won like twice in my book. So we'll see what happens. Not going to list out everybody. Everybody is here except Tommy Fleetwood, who we talked about already, and then Ricky Fowler misses the playoffs for the first time in his career. Or, it's, yeah, for the first time in his career, I think. The golf course, Liberty National, par 71, 7,410 yards, and we got bent grass greens this week. So not the famous Bermuda greens that Kevin Kisner loves so much, but he obviously putted pretty well at the President's Cup back in 2017, and also at this event back in 2019, the weather we might get some a little rain earlier in the week, and then the chances go down. But it's also like right around 30%. So Tuesday we're getting showers, 35% uh, chance of rain, blowing 10. Wednesday, 38% chance of rain, blowing 9. Thursday, 83 scattered thunderstorms, 46% chance of rain, blowing 10. So Thursday might get a little dodgy. Hopefully. uh It doesn't. We don't get a delay or anything. Friday is 85 isolated thunderstorms, 35% chance of rain blowing 7. Saturday is 86 isolated thunderstorms, 32% chance of rain blowing 7. And then Sunday is nicer, 89 degrees, partly cloudy, 24% chance of rain blowing 6. So again, if it's going to be wet, all of a sudden carry distance becomes a little bit more important. Who knows? We'll see if we get reports maybe today or tomorrow about the golf course and the conditioning. Maybe that influences our picks for the Thursday article a little bit. We will see what happens. Key stats for this golf course. So for par 71, it is on the longer side, right? Over 7,400 yards for a par 71. That means they have to make up the yardage somewhere and it comes on par fours. There are several, I think, three or four par fours that play well over 450 yards. So targeting guys that are good with their long irons or even, I mean, you got guys that drive it 300, 310, 320 on a regular basis. So they only have nine iron, but guys that drive it you know, less than that. They're going to have long irons into those holes. So targeting guys that play par fours over 400 yard or 450 yards well is going to be good. I included a graph on the betting article on twilight9.com when it goes live. If you guys read it, it is a graph that DataGolf has every week and it. What drives variation in scores? So it takes the strokes gain category, contributes it to the uh, dispersion in scores, and then calculates it into percentage whatever how you want to look at it back in 2019 strokes gained putting caused 35.7 percent of score variation on tour that's average for that year at liberty national it was nearly 50 percent of putting of strokes gained putting caused variation so in 2019 putting was by far the most important category compared to regular tour events right so we'll have to take that in who knows if that's going to be the same this week but that's that's what caused the variation back in 2019. I'm also just going to put tee to green play. I know we've highlighted tee to green play the last couple weeks. Tee to green play is usually always important, and then whoever kind of catches a hot putter wins. But around this place, there's just a lot of hazards. There's water and right around half the holes, I'm pretty sure, Nearly 100 bunkers around this place. So staying out of hazards, hitting fairways, hitting greens is going to put you in a better position at making birdie than guys that are finding the water off the tee, obviously. And finding bunkers, you're not going to make a lot of birdies out of bunkers unless it's on a par five. So keeping it in play is going to be very important. Data golf information, course fit, Shadow Creek Golf Course is actually number one. Oop, I opened the wrong tab. Hold on. Man, my computer's really slow. If anybody out there has... um tips on how to speed up a computer holy shit this thing is slow not good uh course fit number two is olympia fields country club that is the north course and then number three is la quinta country club trending of the players in the field john rom is number one which makes total sense last three starts a win t7 in solo third jordan Speth is number two t19 to t12 harris english is number three at, with a win t46 in solo fourth Percent chance to win. John Rahm is number one at 10.5%, which is not surprising at all with his form. That just makes very much sense for him to be number one. Jordan Spieth is number two at 4.5%, and Colin Morikawa is number three at 4.3%. That is a guy that not a lot of people are talking about heading into the week. I don't really understand why. Uh, Gone are the days that we used to bet on Colin Morikawa at plus 4,000, plus 5,000 and like win I forget what his odds are at the PGA Championship when he won at TPC Harding Park, but it was almost laughable what kind of odds you could get for him that week. Gone of those days. He's the, he's the second one favorite behind John Rahm. Second, second favorite? There we go. Behind John Rahm. Let's get into those odds. John Rom 1,100. Colin Morikawa, plus 17. Dustin Johnson, plus 17. Jordan Spleeth. Jordan Spleeth. Love that. Jordan Speith. <laughs> that might be my new nickname for Jordan Spleeth. Jordan Spleeth, plus 18. Roy McElroy, plus 2. Brooks Kepka plus 21. Xander Schauffele is at 22. Justin Thomas is at 27. Bryson DeChambeau, all the way down at 29. That is something you love to see. Daniel Burke is at 31. So is Abe Anser. So is Victor Hovland. Patrick Cantlay is at 33. Scotty Scheffler is at 33. Patrick Reed is at 35. Hideki Matsuyama is at 36. Cam Smith is at 36. Webb Simpson is at 36 go a little down further. Tony Finau, which I don't know if he's alive. I haven't heard that man's name in months, is at plus 6,000. Kevin Kisner's at 6,500, and the little lefty Brian Harmon is at seven or 75 as well. Let's jump into some players to watch for the week. Obviously, we need to bounce back. Hopefully, we can get some picks for you guys to win some money. I know both of our winner picks, I mean, we picked Hank LeBiota, which sucks to have an off week when we pick him to win. That sucks. We also had Wills out I actually had some hope going into that back nine after he shot four under through nine holes. I was like, Ooh, here comes Willie Z. And then he sucked. So we'll see what happens, which also sucks. Cause I think he ended the tournament at what? 10 under. So that means he was at, did he get to 14, 13? All he had to do was shoot minus minus one or minus two on the back. And all of a sudden he's in that playoff. So that sucks. I don't even want to think about it, but, Looking for a bounce back week. We'll see if we can get. Hopefully, we can dabble in a little winner pick. You know, we need some. We need some units. I know we hit Cal Morikawa at the open, but it's always nice to hit a winner. We're gonna start with last week's winner, Mr. Kevin Kisner. We had him for a top forty. That might go down, like I said, as the safest bet I've ever made on this show. But we move on. He just golfed his ball last week. Highest round was sixty eight. That's two under. Shot four under or better three of the four days. No surprise. He rolled it well in those Bermuda greens. He was eighth in stroke seam putting on the year. He's twelfth in that same category. This is where I you got to look a little deeper than Strokes gained when it comes to this kind of thing. I know that everybody loves to use Strokes gained. I'm I'm a victim of it too. I love the Strokes gained categories. I love it. With Kevin Kisner it's a little different, right? His Strokes gained approach rank over his last 24 rounds is abysmal. I think he's like outside the top 200. But He's hit over 70% of greens in three of his last five tournaments, and he hit 80% at Wyndham. And that's kind of the thing with Kevin Kisner. When your strokes gain number with your putter is so high, that means you have to, quote-unquote, lose strokes somewhere else in your game. And we talk about that with Colin Morikawa, too. His approach play is so good that he like would have to lose strokes game with his putter. Kevin Kisner's a little bit the same way. He rolls it so well that something else is going to take the fall a little bit, and that's usually his approach play. But he's hitting a lot of greens right now, and when Kevin Kisner finds greens, he has a chance to make birdies just because that's how good of a putter he is. So I'm not really worried about that strokes game number. I'm just worried about him hitting greens, and he's doing that at a pretty good rate right now, especially 80% at Wyndham. That is so high. Back in 2019, Kiz finished T12 here at the 2017 Presidents Cup, held at Liberty National. Kiz did not lose a match. He won twice and tied twice. I think he just really likes this place. He's currently 29th in the FedEx Cup standings. So he has something to play for, right? If he doesn't play well these upcoming weeks, he is not going down to East Lake. So he has to keep that form. And he's going to be motivated to keep that form because he wants to be on that Ryder Cup team any more than anybody wants him on that Ryder Cup team. He wants to show that he can be part of that team and make a difference for the United States. He's another, I didn't mention this, but he's another one of those guys that just like loves America. He just loves putting on the USA. Like I remember at the Open Championship, this uh, picture was going around a little bit during the Open Championship a couple, weeks, uh, a couple weeks ago. But Kisner wore like a 1776 hat at the Open, I believe, when it was at Burkdale. Love that. He's a dog. So, he's got something to play for. He really wants to be on that team. He is plus 6,500 to win, like I just mentioned a, couple, uh, a second ago. Next one. We're going back to the winner that happened a few weeks ago, and that is Abraham Answer. He grabbed his first PGA tour win, obviously, after battling Matsuyama and Burns at the WG set uh WGC, excuse me, FedEx. Starting at the RBC Heritage, aside from the US Open in the open, Enter hasn't finished outside the top fifteen. He's there every single week, week in. In week out, Abraham Answer is playing really good golf. I mentioned it all every single time I talk about Answer. He's a fairways in regulation and a greens right in regulation machine. And then when you run into him, when he's putting well, he's going to be inside the top ten, always, top fifteen, always. And that's what he's been doing. At the 2019 Northern Trust, he was the runner-up to Patrick Greed on this golf course, so he's in obviously really, really good form. He's played well at this golf course only a couple years ago, and that's when, I mean, he's always been a really good player, but now he is a step up of that. I just think he's going to be in contention again this week, and his Stroke gain numbers over his last 24 rounds are just, honest to God, disgusting how good they are. It is gross. Over his last 24 rounds. 8th in strokes in total, ninth tee to green, 8th in ball striking, 18th in short game, 13th off the tee, 18th in approach, 11th putting. Like, what else do you want a guy to do? He's inside the top 20 in every single category, and he's inside the top 13 in all but two. Like, he is getting it done. I think he's going to contend again. He's plus 3,100 to win. You can probably get plus value for him for a top 20 finish. I would almost call that a lock. He's currently 6th in the FedEx Cup standing, so... He doesn't have as much to play for as these other guys. But again, because of the new rules down at Eastlake, the higher you up on, on the points list, the less far back you are to the number one guy. So again, so I guess all these guys have some something to play for. I just think with everything going his way, will it be one of those things that the betting gods are like, this makes too much sense. So he's going to come in 50th? Maybe. That happens sometimes. It happens to me all the fucking time. It's very frustrating. We'll see what happens. Sometimes stuff makes so much sense that you go the opposite direction. Maybe that's what we'll do. We'll bet we'll 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 just go against Abe all week. But I don't know. Everything just makes way too much sense for him to be in contention yet again at Liberty National. And this is the thing, moving on to the next guy. I learned my lesson. I said this on the show. I think it was last week. I learned my lesson with the Abraham answer thing. I was on him week in and week out, hoping that he would break through, hoping that he would get his first PGA tour win, betting him to finish in the top 20, top 30 every single week. It seemed like he was on the card. I thought you guys were going to kill me with how much that I told you to bet on Abraham answer. And then the one week that I don't at a golf course that made so much sense for him. And for some reason, I completely missed it. He wins. I will not do that again. And that's why Scotty Scheffler has to be on the list once again this week. I talk about it on the show all the time. You're probably sick of hearing the name Scotty Scheffler. But in his last seven starts, he has four top ten finishes. And to be honest, it probably should be five. He had a terrible last day at the WGC uh, FedEx St. Jude. He had an awful day. Really, really bad. Which we lost a bet of that on that too, which sucks. But... He didn't play here in twenty nineteen, but he finished inside the top ten last year at the Northern Trust. He shot fifty nine on Friday. If you guys remember that, he had to hit like I think like a four or five footer for birdie on the last hole to shoot fifty nine. It was electric. It was awesome. I bring this up just because obviously it's a different golf course. It really doesn't matter much. But again, the field is absolutely loaded. I know it's a different course obviously this year, but the field is loaded. He's you know he can compete with the big boys. All right. Speaking of this field, I actually just saw this. I think this year, aside from the majors and the players, this is the strongest field of the season, statistically. So that's pretty cool. But anyway, back to Scotty Scheffler. He's currently twenty first in the FedEx Cup standings. He's plus thirty three hundred to win. So again, he's probably going to be a good target for a top ten, uh, top twenty finish. Rather, that's probably where we're going to put him if he ends up on the card. But we'll see where he puts him. The next guy, the Aussie, is Adam Scott back. I know that he missed like a four footer on the first playoff hole to win the golf tournament, but he might be back. Since missing the cut, the PGA championship to Ozzy has three top 20 finishes, including a T2 at the Wyndham, obviously. In 2019, he finished solo fifth around Liberty National. He also beat Brooks Kepka in solo matches at the 2017 President's Cup. That was kind of his highlight of the week. He didn't really have that great of a week, but he did beat Mr. Kepka in solo matches on Sunday. He's currently 82nd in the FedEx Cup standings, meaning he does have something really to play for. This week is the only thing guaranteed for Adam Scott in the playoffs. Only the top 70 get into the BMW next week. He has to have a good week. He probably has to have like a top 20 finish to get into the BMW. So he's got a lot to play for. He's sitting at plus 4,300 to win. We'll see if Adam Scott can kind of build on this momentum and hopefully bag us another top 20 finish. We'll see what happens if he ends up on the actual card Thursday on twilight9.com. We will see what happens. The next guy, Mr. Berger, Mr. Daniel Berger. He did not play here back in 2019, but I think he's in for a big week. Quick notes on Berger. Just all of this makes sense, which again brings me to the point where like, does it make too much sense that I bet the opposite? Who knows? Over his last 24 rounds, he's third in strokes and approach and 14th in strokes and TD green. He's finished T8 or better in three of his last four starts. Different course, but last season he finished solo third at this event. Again, just really quick notes, like those are just bullet points of why, like Daniel Berger is just in really good form. He's played well at this golf tournament before, not at this golf course, obviously, but he competes well with the biggest fields. He already has a win on the season. Who knows if he can add another one? He won back at Pebble. He's twentieth in the FedEx upstanding. So as it stands right now, he is already at East Lake. He's at thirty one hundred to win, and that's on FanDuel. I've been going back and forth a little bit because some sportsbook, obviously, when you search around. You got to find like the best odds and bet on that one. Uh, Those are all of these so far. I've been on FanDuel. I'm pretty sure those winning odds. Uh, Going with another, uh, or do I have an English? I haven't talked about an Englishman yet. So our first Englishman, Ian Poulter, might be a nice target for us in like the top 30 range. In 2019, he grabbed a T10 at this event. He's also trending in the right direction. He has two top 10 finishes in his last three starts. He was T10 actually a couple weeks ago at the WGC FedEx since a miscut at the Wells Fargo he hasn't finished outside the top 40 which is really nice to see he's not lighting it up strokes gain wise tee to green over his last 24 rounds but he's 6th in strokes gain putting and 1st in strokes gain short game over that period so his short game is really good he's rolling the rock we'll see if the irons turn over a little bit for him we'll see what happens he's currently 79th in FedEx Cup standing so he does need a good performance to get it into the BMW so he's playing for a lot he's at plus 7500 to win so we might even get him at plus odds like I said for a top 30 but we might even need to like minus 110 for a top 40 maybe for Poulter we might put him there a couple of big names to end the show the first one you guys all know who the second one is and that's why I love it you guys listen to the show every week and you probably know by now the last guy that I talk about every single week but (laughs) before we get to the aforementioned Mr. McElroy big names. We're going to talk about speed since the players in stroke play events. So taken out the WGC match play, he's finished outside the top 20 once. And that was at the, uh, that was a T30 at the PGA championship at the 2017 uh, president's cup. Jordan was undefeated heading into the singles uh, where he actually lost to Johnny Vegas, which that's a tough loss for Jordan Spieth to lose to Johnny Vegas, but whatever. In 2019, he actually finished T6 at this event, so he likes his golf course. Stroke scene numbers over his last 24 rounds. Jordan Spieth is third total, 19th tee to green, 39th in ball striking, 10th short game, 57th off the tee, which Fantasy National still has in like the, the light green category, so it's not killing him, 40th in approach, and 21st in putting. So he's still doing pretty much every single one of his game aspects really good he's inside the top 40 and all of them except off the tee and he's still kind of in that green area this is the guy, he's second in the FedEx upstanding, so he's pretty much locked in for Eastlake. Who knows if he has a good finish, he can kind of overtake Colin Morikawa because as you guys know, the points in the playoffs are worth a little bit more. Who knows? Because if somebody wins like in the 80 zone this week and wins this golf tournament, all of a sudden I think they're inside like top 10 like easily. That's how much points sway in the playoffs. So we'll see what happens. He's one of the favorites at 1,800 to win, and that is on FanDuel. And the last guy before we get out of here, Roy McIlroy. I just love fucking love talking about my guy. So we're going to talk about Rory McIlroy. I loved him at the WGC. And to be fair, he had a really good week. He shot three straight, I believe, 66s Friday through Sunday. He just had a really tough opening round. But again, I just love him this week. I think he's he's coming a little under the radar, I think, because a lot of people, and I'm one of the very few people that just like watch everything Rory does, right? I watch... um the PGA Tour live in the morning, and I just watch him a lot. And uh, uh, most people just look at his like finishing and like, oh, Roy's playing okay. A lot of top twenties, but whatever. He's striping the golf ball. He was second in strokes against to green at the WGC, and to be completely honest, it probably would have been first if his short game wasn't so bad in round one. He was bringing over wedges. I talked about this uh, last week, but or two weeks ago, his wedges were meant for like links golf. And and the Bermuda grass at the W at Southwind, they were just digging, and his short game was awful. He was chunking chips all over the place. He was third in strokes and approach that week. He was first off the tee that week. He was absolutely striping it. It was almost a joke watching him play golf. It was three fifteen down the middle, inside twenty feet in approach shots, and if he rolled it in, he rolled it in. He putted very well on these greens back in 2019. He was gaining over a stroke. I think he was inside the top 20 in stroke team putting that week. Back in 2019, he finished T6 right with Jordan Spieth. He fi- he's finished T18 or better in four of his last five stars. I think the only one was the open. I just think he's getting very close, very close. Very close. When you watch him, obviously, I don't know if anybody listening to this show is really watching Roy McElroy golf that much if he's just not on TV. I've been on PGA Tour Live every week for the last whatever since that thing existed, watching Roy McElroy play golf. He is close. At the WGC, that's as good as I've probably ever watched Roy McElroy swing the golf club. If he's able to win this week, finish inside the top five this week, and get in better position for Atlanta, watch out because we've all seen what Roy can do around Eastlake. Watch out. He's currently 26 in the FedEx upstanding. So, again, he's going to need a couple of good weeks here to up his position to get into kind of striking distance for Eastlake just because of the new standings. I mean, if you're outside the top 15, you probably can't win that golf tournament. So, he needs a couple of good starts. On DraftKings, you can actually get Roy for plus 2,200, which is odds we love. So, I'll probably hammer that. Hopefully my little spiel right there on Roy McIlroy, you'll uh, maybe sprinkle a little bit on that plus 2200, but I really do like him this week. Non-bias, obviously. Obviously no bias, but I do like Roy McIlroy this week. But that's it guys. That's it for the Northern Trust. That's your preview for the Northern Trust. I cannot wait to watch golf this weekend. Again, I'm one of the I don't know if I'm one of the few guys that loves the FedEx Cup playoffs, but I love the FedEx Cup playoffs. It's a little annoying cuz the feature groups this week are based off of your like standings. And the FedEx upstandings, like, that's how all the tea times are built, too, which is a little bit of a bummer. Um, so, like, we got some weirdo fucking guys in feature groups this week instead of getting the big names in feature groups. They do it that way. So we got to watch, like, Harris English and Sam Burns play golf for the first couple of days, but whatever. But enjoy the golf this weekend, guys. Um, follow the social medias. At twilight9pod is the Instagram. At Riley Hamill underscore is my personal Instagram. Make sure to pay attention to the website. Uh, you guys have heard of spiel. Follow the TikTok, Whatever. And again, the big news hopefully is coming later this week. Really looking forward to sharing that with you guys because it's going to be a really big step for the show, really big step for me. I'm just pumped to let you guys know about that. But again, thank you for listening. Um, if you have anybody in your life that loves golf, share it around. Uh, about to take a big step, have some cool stuff coming up down the pipe. So really looking forward to it. But enjoy the first leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs, guys. And I will talk to you guys next week. Peace.